As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, February 26, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today... The Game of Thrones, when it comes to modern tech platforms, is very much up in the air at the moment. Satya Nadella defends making the HoloLens for the U.S. Army. Could the FTC undo previous tech mergers? And that big Casey Newton piece about Facebook content moderators. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. The current era of platform plays can be dizzying. Back in the day, you did a software platform like Windows, and then you reaped the rewards of everyone having to play in your ecosystem, or essentially you were left out in Siberia. And in more recent years, we saw various platforms like Facebook, or you saw the battle between Android and iOS, where everybody was busily carving up their own little moat, protected platform fortresses. But in the current era of everyone chasing subscriptions... And then there's also the voice assistants and a wide array of hardware devices for the home and the car and what have you. There are so many overlapping strategies around the edges now that it's not exactly clear cut when trying to suss out what everyone is doing and why. Mac Rumors is reporting that within the Google Home app for iOS devices, there is currently a listing for Apple Music as a supported service. This suggests that Apple Music integration is coming to Google Home devices because Apple Music is not currently a supported service. Quote, in previous versions of Google software, Apple Music was listed in a separate, quote, limited availability section in the app and also, quote, only available on iOS devices. The updated listing suggests that Apple could soon make Apple Music an option available for Google Assistant-powered playback on Google Home devices, much like it did with the Amazon Echo, end quote. Okay, so Apple wants Apple Music to be available on every device available. That makes sense. They, of course, want to be on Google Home and anything else they can get on. Total, total sense. Helps drive subscriptions if you can use that subscription anywhere. And I guess it helps Google Home to have the most popular services on its platform as well. Why have Spotify but no Apple Music? The widest array of choices drives sales of your hardware, which helps boost the reach of your platform, right? But then Apple doesn't let just any old Tom, Dick, or Harry on their HomePod hardware, or their Apple TV for that matter, though that seems to be changing. So are we seeing a sort of sorting hat going on here? Is everyone choosing sides And maybe if you want to create a smart assistant platform, if that's your most important strategic goal, then you decide to let anyone play on it. And on the other side, if subscription revenue is your most important goal, then maybe you exit the hardware game because you value platform agnosticism over all else. But some players have multiple motivations, don't they? Amazon wants to dominate smart assistants, but it also seems to want to dominate home hardware. And of course, it has subscription plays of its own. Same could be said for Google. And then weird as it may be to consider, in the services era, should we now think that maybe Apple will increasingly eschew hardware in favor of wanting their services to be available everywhere? And again, where is Siri in the smart assistant race? As I say, weird times. 
the chips will eventually fall as they may, but it certainly feels like they're very much up in the air at the moment. Mark Gurman, Apple Scoop Tuesday, but this one is not really that surprising. Mark sources say Apple has been testing a sleep tracking feature for the Apple Watch for several months now, and some sort of sleep tracker could be added to a future version of the Apple Watch as early as 2020. Mark points out that adding sleep tracking to the watch would help eliminate one of the main competitive advantages of Apple Watch competitors like Fitbit and Withings, who right now have the most popular sleep trackers. Also, he notes that Apple acquired Finnish startup Bedit in 2017. Bedit makes a sleep tracking sensor strip, which Apple actually sells under the Bedit brand. That might point to an answer to the question that I had when I just glanced at this headline. When I sleep is when I charge my watch. So how do you deal with that? Quoting German, quote, One practical necessity for sleep tracking in a smartwatch is a battery that can last multiple days. Each Apple Watch model to date is advertised as being able to last a day with the need to charge it each night. In comparison, Fitbit's watches with sleep tracking are marketed as being able to last as long as a week on one charge. Some options may include Apple increasing the watch's battery life or creating a way to run sleep tracking overnight as a part of a low power mode. It could also just require a battery charge in the morning, end quote. Follow up on that HoloLens 2 news from yesterday. When reading the coverage yesterday, I noticed that not a few people made the comment about the HoloLens 2 along the lines of, forget using this on the factory floor. The use case for this headset is obviously on the battlefield. And actually, I did not know this yesterday, but Microsoft already has a $479 million contract with the U.S. Army for HoloLens usage. They signed it in November. The company could deliver 100,000 headsets over the course of the contract. Well, some Microsoft employees have noticed this and recently circulated a letter internally that read in part, quote, while the company has previously licensed tech to the U.S. military, it has never crossed the line into weapons development. With this contract, it does, end quote. Apparently, more than 100 Microsoft employees have signed this letter. Well, after the HoloLens keynote at Mobile World Congress yesterday, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella spoke with CNN Business to respond to the employee pushback, saying, quote, We made a principled decision that we're not going to withhold technology from institutions that we have elected in democracies to protect the freedoms we enjoy. We were very transparent about that decision and will continue to have that dialogue with employees, end quote. The Federal Trade Commission has announced a new task force that it says will monitor competition in, quote, technology-related sectors. Quoting from The Verge, the task force will include current officials working in the agency's Bureau of Competition in order to, quote, enhance the Bureau's focus on technology-related sectors of the economy, including markets in which online platforms compete, end quote. It will also include 17 staff attorneys who will be tasked with investigating anti-competitive behavior in the tech industry, end quote. So color me officially skeptical that this will amount to a hill of beans ultimately, but this little nugget is interesting or concerning, depending on which side of the fence you come down on in terms of regulation or antitrust action regarding big tech companies. 
Apparently, the task force will also be charged with retroactively investigating mergers that have already been completed. The task force is going to be run under the auspices of the FTC's Bureau of Competition, and the following quote will reference Bruce Hoffman, the director of that bureau. Quoting from The Verge again, Hoffman confirmed that the task force would look into consummated mergers, but could not name any investigation specifically. When it comes to remedies for problematic mergers, Hoffman said that firms could be, quote, broken out or could be forced to, quote, spin off previous acquisitions as new competitors in order to recreate the market's pre-merger, end quote. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. One password. One password combines industry leading security with award winning design to bring private, secure, and user friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. One password secures every sign in to save you time and money, any device, any time. One password lets you securely switch between iPhone. Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp's also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. Coinbase is officially adding XRP to its Coinbase Pro Exchange, causing the price of that cryptocurrency to jump around 10% in the last 24 hours. If you're not familiar with XRP, it is the digital asset tied to the startup Ripple, the company that developed XRP to become the third largest cryptocurrency by market cap. XRP was designed for payments, specifically cross-border and cross-financial institution payments. In essence, it wants to replace the SWIFT interbank payments system. On the Internet History Podcast, I did an episode a couple months ago where I interviewed Ripple co-founder David Schwartz, so check that out if you want to learn more about Ripple and XRP. 
Ripple is a weird fish in the crypto space. It's hugely controversial in some quarters because of its willingness to work with big global banking in some ways that run counter to the fiercely libertarian ethos of others in the crypto space. And Ripple stands are among the most vocal and strident in the universe of crypto tribes when it comes to defending their favorite crypto project. For our purposes, it is worth noting that both Coinbase and Ripple share very prominent Silicon Valley investors, among them Andreessen Horowitz. Fun little headline from Mobile World Congress. I'm going to literally use the actual Verge headline. This 18,000 milliamp hour battery has a phone in it. I'm speaking of the Energizer PowerMax P18K Pop. France's Avenir Telecom licensed the Energizer brand to make this phone, so that's a bit unusual. But what's more unusual, quoting Vlad Savov from The Verge, this dark blue unit measures in at 18 millimeters of thickness, according to Avenir's spec sheet, but stacking it side by side with a more conventional smartphone, I'd say a more accurate articulation of its thickness would be about three and a half iPhones. This phone is immense. Or is it technically a battery with a phone in it? An epic battery of such proportions had better last a long time, and Avenir promises a week's worth of use, or two full days, 48 hours of continuous video playback. That sounds conservative, since we got a week from a phone with a battery measuring about half as large, end quote. So I have, among others, been arguing for a while now that bigger phones with bigger batteries should be a thing. And though this does seem like a bit of overkill, it is nice to see at least someone going in this direction. But still, there's some obvious trade-offs. With a battery that big, Vlad says the battery takes eight hours to charge fully. And that's not even mentioning what it might feel like in your pocket to carry a brick around. Oh, and when you hold it to your ear to take a call, you full-on look like Michael Douglas in that scene from the original Wall Street movie where he's talking on a 1980s cell phone on the beach. I didn't go with this story yesterday because I wanted to give Mobile World Congress its due but I'm sure you've heard about it by now, Casey Newton's big investigative feature in The Verge about the secret lives of Facebook content moderators. Check the show notes for the story called The Trauma Floor, and please read it, not just because it's jaw-dropping, not just because everyone in tech has been commenting on it for the last 24 hours, but also because I am scheduled to talk to Casey about it for a weekend bonus episode this week. The first few paragraphs will rivet you, but also to give you a taste, let me quote from this summary passage, quote, Collectively, the employees described a workplace that is perpetually teetering on the brink of chaos. It is an environment where workers cope by telling dark jokes about committing suicide, then smoke weed during breaks to numb their emotions. It's a place where employees can be fired for making just a few errors a week and where those who remain live in fear of the former colleagues who return seeking vengeance. It's a place where, in stark contrast to the perks lavished on Facebook employees, team leaders micromanage content moderators every bathroom and prayer break, where employees, desperate for a dopamine rush amid the misery, have been found having sex inside stairwells and a room reserved for lactating mothers, where people develop severe anxiety while still in training, and continue to struggle with trauma symptoms long after they leave, and where the counseling that Cognizant offers them ends the moment they quit, 
or are simply let go. The moderators told me it's a place where the conspiracy videos and memes that they see each day gradually lead them to embrace fringe views. One auditor walks the floor promoting the idea that the earth is flat. A former employee told me he has begun to question certain aspects of the Holocaust. Another former employee who told me he has mapped every escape route of his house and sleeps with a gun at his side said, quote, I no longer believe 9-11 was a terrorist attack, end quote. So, yeah, this piece hits on a lot of themes we've been chewing over lately. A couple of follow-ups, even though I didn't even cover this yesterday. It should be noted that when Casey told Facebook he was running this story, Facebook allowed him to visit the content moderation offices run by the contractor it has engaged for these purposes. That's the Cognizant that was named in the previous quote. And Facebook put up a blog post recently titled, Our Commitment to Our Content Reviewers. And according to Bloomberg, Facebook employees have been debating the piece as well. Quote, On Facebook's message boards, employees said that the specter of automating away content review jobs should make the company more sensitive to the lives of the humans doing the job in the meantime. It seems like the least we could do is treat people well before they get replaced, one of them wrote, end quote. Thank you, Princeton Tech Meetup, for having me last night. It was good fun, and hopefully it was a good talk for all y'all. And thank you to the members of the Mutant Podcast Army that did show up. Sorry that we didn't get a chance to talk more afterwards. It wasn't just that I was signing books. It was also that I had to catch a train so as not to make it back to Penn Station after midnight. But again, tri-state area peeps, we will have a New York City listener meetup soon. I promise I'll let you know as soon as I know when we're going to do it. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.